Kevin Markwick. where we're having any of that snow in here. That's better, isn't it? Kind of makes you feel warm inside. Down where the trade winds 
However, that's quite enough of that. Thank you. Thanks, Adrian. That was a great show, as always. Kevin Markwick here for the next two hours. Groovy music from Mazzy Star, I Am Clute, Camera Obscura, Rachel Zafira. All sorts, really. I think it's going to be a good one. And David Bowie, amongst others. Film-based shenanigans include... Music from uh, Adolf Deutsch, uh, Jerry Goldsmith. And the Eurythmics, oddly. Not oddly at all, really. Uh, Chaney Kent has a special interview with uh, film composer Andrew Hewitt. That's rather good. And the Time Tunnel, or Pants, or Speedos, or what I'm quite decided on what they're called yet, takes us back to the Uckfield Cinema in 1975 and 1985. So, please get in touch. We got the new Facebook page. Got a few likes there. Come on, get on Facebook. Like the show, Kevin Markwick Show. Is that a bit aggressive? Sorry. And uh, at Kevin Markwick on Twitter. These hot seat switchovers freak me out. Here's Tame Impala.
Tame Impala, Elephant. Oh, that's rather good. Now, uh, yeah, so please get in touch with the show at Kevin Mark Quick on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook, uh, the Kevin Mark Quick Show. You can email us, uh, studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk. It'd be great to see you, hear you, even, oh, whatever. Uh, so where should we get on this new next? Oh, here's Mazzy Star.
I was definitely trying to be too clever there. <clears throat> Just keep it simple, Kev, because that kind of works better, doesn't it? I'm trying to do the background music and things, which didn't really work, did it? And then I start jabbering like an idiot. So that was Mazzy Star from 1993, would you believe? Fade into you which uh, still sounds rather lovely. And now it's time to sell you things. Here comes the great new climber from Lion's Maid. Orbit. Super size. Super ice cream. Orbit. It's got orange ice cream and raspberry ice cream dipped in chalk. Yes. Orbit breaks the flavor barrier. Orbit with astounding free space picture cards. Orbit, the greatest. Orbit, the big ice cream on a stick from Lion's Maid. On sale now. A warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Another drink, I'm better when I don't think Seems to get me through And say, do you want to spin another line Like we had a good time Not that I need proof Swell, we're living in a hotel Someone's ringing my bell In a room without a view And hey Heard you read another book Should I take another look Who am I Without you Spin another line like we had a good time Not that I need truth Swell, we're living in a hotel Someone's ringing my bell In a room without a view Hey, heard you read another book Should I take another look? Who am I?
wonderful I Am Clute from the Sky at Night LP. That's proof. Now, uh, we've got a couple more tunes before we do that weird gear change that we do around the half hour. Um, and this is a good one. Camera Obscura from Let's Get Out of This Country in 2006. It's Lloyd, I'm Ready to Be Heartbroken. <laughs> Tell you right. 
Camera Obscura from Let's Get Out of This Country in 2006. Lloyd, I'm ready to be heartbroken. Now, Yola Tengo got a new album out, which is a cause for rejoicing, of course. They don't make them very often. This is actually the first for four years. And this is a, a fantastic track. I think it's a single. I'm not sure. I should have checked before I came on air. But um, it's called I'll Be Around.
how wonderful is that? That's uh, Yola Tengo from the new LP Fade, and it's called I'll Be Around. Right, now it's time for the uh, grinding of the gears, the gear shift, when we move into the hour, sort of middle hour, which is all the filmy-based stuff. Chaney will be along in about, oh, four or five minutes with his, uh, his rather special interview with um, Andrew Hewitt this week, which is rather good. Uh, but first, I'm going to play some Cat Stevens, actually, because my fa- one of my favorite, my top ten movies of all time, as everybody knows, uh, or everybody that knows me knows, uh, is Harold Maud. So, because uh, it's my show, I'm going to play Where Do the Children Play uh, after this jingle. Bubbly milk, sir. Late evenings on Oakfield FM with the Makindo Surgical Centre, your local private hospital in East Grinstead. For the life you want to live, visit makindosurgical.co.uk. Will you make us cry 
you tell us when to live? Will you tell us when to die? We're changing day to day Tell me, where do the children play? Where do the children play? As uh, used in Harold and Maud which is one of the greatest films ever made. Now, uh, Cheney Kent's slot this week is a rather special one, so I'll just let him uh, get on with it and tell you what it's all about. I've come to Kingston for a special edition of my slot this week, to the home of a rising name in the world of film composition. Andrew Hewitt has written the music to four feature films, as well as for televisions and shorts. Andrew was BAFTA nominated for his very first score, the music to the cult TV show Goth Marenghi's Dark Place in 2005. His most high-profile work to date has been his music for Richard Ayoade's celebrated debut feature, Submarine, an offbeat Welsh teenage rom-com with a star-studded adult cast. I've managed to catch up with Andrew as he has just finished the music for his next collaboration with Richard Ayoade, The Double, starring Jesse Eisenberg and Mia Wasikowska, and is about to start on The Music for the Sea, a new film with Rufus Sewell. Thanks for letting me speak to you about your work. I know for a fact that today is essentially the only day you can spare because you're very busy. Yes, so I'm just about to record the double, which has all been composed. And so that means fixing the players and sorting out uh, the uh, recording uh, procedure, how to put all the tracks together, because the double is quite complex. And it also combines some electronic components as well. Right, this is a part of your work, which I think perhaps people don't really realise is it's not just composing it, it's also actually organising the players who are going to take part. Yeah, and I'm really lucky because I've had Mary Weigold's group, which she created, called the Composers Ensemble, which has played on everything I've done uh, in the feature world to do that. What's the principal reason for using this particular group? I know, without any shred of doubt, these are the finest players in Europe, possibly. Right. It's really exciting. I know that the, the amount of experience... As I said that when I, when I conducted Submarine, I looked at everyone and I said, the amount of experience per square inch in this room <laughs> is really rare and really exciting. So, And also it gives me a bit of confidence because I've not been doing this for 30 years. You mentioned there that there's a lot of collective experience which you can call on. But of course, you yourself, you're fairly new to the business. In, in fact, uh, you've been successful almost from the off. Um, winning a BAFTA in 2005. It's a nomination. But oh, I beg your pardon. Winning a nomination. Oh, there it is. And Andrew's pointing out his BAFTA nomination, which is on the wall. Look at that. Tell me about television composing, then. Do you see, as a composer, any difference between writing music for television and for feature film? I think it's important to know what you want. <laughs> so if you're someone who says, I only want to do feature films, it's really important to know it and to know why inside yourself, because you're going to be making big decisions based on what you want to go after. I personally am trying to move everything into the feature film world because that's what I want to end up only doing. Yes, I think there is an, well, I don't know about aesthetic, but there's an emotional difference between 
the feature film world and the TV world in terms mm. of the material. I watched TV and film, but film immediately grabbed me as mm. the emotional canvas that I wanted to take part in. Right, I see. So it's, that's the difference that interests me the most. Good, okay. There are all sorts of technical requirements for the different situations in which you find yourself. But I thought it might be fun, just to begin with, to talk about the music which inspired you to take up this profession. So what are your first memories of hearing film music and thinking, now that's very interesting on its own terms? Yeah, it's basically the Spielberg... Lucas Williams, John Williams films. Yeah. Then getting into sci-fi, <coughs> Jerry Goldsmith's sci-fi and su- what he called supernatural films. You know, he was yeah. sort of king of that, sort of poltergeist and inner space. And you know, it was the eighties. It was the science fiction boom hmm. in the eighties, yeah. which has not really been matched since. I mean, Beetlejuice is one of the first films that I ever noticed the score in. I remember thinking, how odd the instrumentation was, how weird, I'd never heard anything like that. And I had the joy of telling Danny Elfman that when he was recording next to me when I was mixing at Submarine, and he was recording a film called The Next Three Days, and I, I, I had a chat with him and I said, you know, Beetlejuice was one of those scores which really made me start to think, there's music here, I'm involved with music, maybe I can be part of that world and so be part of some musician, you're writing music, and actually the whole dream of writing music for a Hollywood film could in fact come true. (laughs) We know who you are now because of your work with Richard Ayoade, both with Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and now with Submarine. Tell us your experience about that film, how it came about. Yeah, it was Richard's first film, so he's working out how he wants to do things as much as I was. There's a brilliant conceit that came up in our conversations which was that Oliver would think that his voice, his thoughts in his head were so important that they should be scored by an orchestra. So then we thought, because we see him watching telly on his bed mm. in, in the film, Oliver might have watched a French black-and-white Truffaut movie mm. the night before, and so he thought, well, I'm, I'm going to use music like that to score myself, because <laughs> I decided to, because I, I can control the world, I'm a teenager. Right.
One of the other people who was involved in the music making on the film was, called, was of course, um, Alex Turner of the Arctic Monkeys. Um, did you have any contact with Alex at all? Did you did you cross paths or discuss the music at all? I, I said to Richard, well, what if I know what he's writing or he knows what I'm writing? Or what if I know what key he's ending in so I can do a segue and it's, it doesn't feel like a jolt and everything else? And Richard's approach was to say, let's not do that. Right. So basically, Richard talked to us separately, and then he placed, you know, we, we, he, Richard and I decided where the score would go, and then I knew that songs would go in other bits. And um, so they're two different worlds, because they actually perform two different functions. So one of them is about an internal world of Oliver's mind, mm. but really the songs are not functioning like that. It's, they have a different use in some way. No, so. sure. There's something else I wanted to ask you about. The double and the seed, they're both essentially literary adaptations. Do you yourself sit down with the book and read it through and try and steep yourself in it, or, or do you see what the filmmaker has made of it and react to that? Yeah, I'll read the books, but only for very background, if you like, research, awareness. The film is never going to be the same as the book. It can't be. The world that it invokes will be different. Mm. Well, and of course you've also written music for The Brass Teapot, which is this rather extraordinary film with um, Juno Temple and Michael Angarano, um, which has this high concept, the sort of uh, genie in the lamp. Yes, and I think it's just got a release date of April 5th of this year. I just right. saw that. April the 5th in this country? No, I think in the States first, probably. Right. I don't know. Wait, having a panic attack? I'm so sorry for this, John. Money so you can hit me? No, I'm not the teapot is. It gives you money when you hurt yourself. What? Well, how else can you explain it? Alice. Alice! Put the money in the teapot before you hit me. No. No, I didn't. It's empty. Empty. What are you doing? I guess that really does hurt. Where did that come from? Seriously, John? Well, obviously there's quite a bit going on for you at the moment. What's coming up in the future? What does 2013 hold for you? Well, it's I'm really excited about obviously the brass teapot coming out and the double and then the sea, which is you know, such different projects. <laughs> and then after that, yeah, there are some you know, some feature films, you know, floating around, waiting for the green light where the directors have said, you're our guy. Perhaps right, well, I can see you're being very discreet I'm about mentioning this. anything until... And then <laughs> Quite right. When they uh, do, do go ahead, they sort of go up on the website. Good. Yeah. Marvellous. Well, mm, Andrew here, thank you very much indeed. Thanks very much indeed.
That's actually part of Andrew Hewitt's score for the film Cuckoo, which he did before Submarine. Thank you for that, Cheney. That was absolutely wonderful. And thank you, Andrew, for uh, for your help as well. That's absolutely marvellous. Now, uh, I don't know what he's doing next week. Well, he's got a few ideas, I think. But, oh, he's a man of mystery, isn't he? Yeah, that Cheney. So, what have I been up to? Nothing as exciting, actually, this week. Uh, what did I see? I saw Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, finally, but uh, trying to extricate a piece of music from that to play you was completely futile. Um, yeah, I think it is some kind of genius film, but uh, not one that's very good for playing on the radio. I also uh, showed my 19-year-old daughter for the first time the um, Billy Wilder picture at uh, the apartment, and I, I'm... I, it just it's such a good film and it holds up so well it's sharp and funny and she laughed all the way through it which was great and they should show these films on TV more often than they do this is uh, Adolf Deutsch's um, theme from The Apartment in 
the brass in that does sound lovely doesn't it uh adolf deutsch's music from the apartment in 1960 one best picture actually and um uh you know shirley mclean and jack lemon directed by billy wilder probably one of well certainly one of the greatest film directors ever and uh i still blubbed at the end when he <laughs> when he says do you know what? i love you miss kubelik did you hear me i love you and she says shut up and deal i'm lost oh anyway um i'm doing it now you don't know you're doing it you're doing it now here's selling you things it's new <laughs> Kevin Markwick. This will take us to the news, give you a warm, fuzzy glow inside. Oh, is that the yank? Bugger it. I wanted to see Cheerio.
Kevin Markwick. It's time for the ti- time for the time machine. I'm going to persevere with this, you know. Let's give it a few more weeks and see how it goes. Um, what I'm doing is I'm putting on my time trunks or time pants or getting on my DeLorean or whatever kind of allusion to time travel movies you want to make. And uh, we're going back to look at what the picture house, my cinema in Uckfield, was showing uh, in the past, what the people of Uckfield thought they might want to go and see or... <laughs> Or in this week's case, uh, thought they didn't want to go and see. So this time we've uh, we're going to do two years, 1975 and 85. We'll start with January the 20th, 1975. Um, remember, only one screen then. It was before we put two screens in, and by this time we were kind of playing a bit up to date. So we had one film in for seven days, and it's a corker. Los Angeles. 1937. There are lots of guys like J.J. Gittes. They're easy to find, if you want to find them. Mr. Gittes, have we ever met? Well, no. Never? Never. Since you agree with me that we've never met before, you must also agree with me that I've never hired you to do anything, certainly not spy on my husband. I don't get tough with anyone, Mr. Gittes. My lawyer does. You do your job. And sometimes you find the answers to questions that should never be asked. Or you find out what happens to people who ask them. Hold it kitty cat. Oh, don't like that bit. You're a very nosy fellow, kitty cat, huh? Yeah, he cuts his nose. Yuck. I dislike the word cheat. Did you have affairs? Mr. Giddies. Did he know about it? Where were you when your husband died? It's just occurred to me, is Mr. Mulray supposed to be Mulholland? For very long? I've only seen it about eight times. One for very long, Mr. Giddies. Probably more. It's difficult for me. Mr. Giddies, you're dealing with a disturbed woman who just lost her husband. I don't want to take an advantage of The truth. I say I want the truth! No! 
very Jerry Goldsmith, isn't it? So here's an interesting thing. Um, this is a film that's considered one of the greatest films of all time. It was um, it was an instant critical hit, and I'm assuming it did well in all the right places. Uh, I can't find much box office information, actually, about this film at all. Chinatown. Did I say it was called Chinatown? <gasps> oh, really? Uh, it's Chinatown. Anyway, if you didn't know, it's Chinatown. Um, Roman Polanski's uh, 1970. Five, nineteen seventy-four would be, wouldn't it? Film. Uh, anyway, uh, like I said, I can't find much about the box office uh, because that wasn't something that was considered important. Not in those days. Uh, people outside the film business didn't really know what films had done. Uh, it was only really later on in the seventies with the big films like Jaws and Star Wars where they started to trumpet the box office grosses. And really, what's the you know? Does it matter what a film's taken to the audience? You know, you either want to see it or you don't. And it can be self-defeating when a film is reported as a flop elsewhere before it gets released here. It doesn't stand a chance, does it? But I digress. Um, I'm pretty sure Chinatown wasn't a flop. And uh, even if it was, it's probably recouped by now, given it's a perennial on DVD and TV. No one came to see it in Uckfield, though. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, Don't you just feel a little ashamed of yourselves? Really? 504 admissions in a week? £247.18. That's terrible for a film this good. The admissions, 147 on Sunday, which was always the best of the week. Sunday, you know, far and away the best day of the week in those days. And then 45, 49, 74, 41, 66 and 82 on Sunday. This this would have been on all day. Now go away, Uckfield, and think about what you've done, okay? Polanski's film, actually, all joking aside, really is quite special. It's a a homage to noir, yet at the same time very, very modern. I was always confused um, by Polanski's decision to shoot in Cinemascope which is, uh, uh, you know, noir films would never have been shot in scope. Uh, well, not the, not the classic ones anyway. Um, as if he was trying to make the film, you know, if he was trying to make it look like a 40s noir thriller, why shoot it in scope? Then I realised that wasn't his intention. He uses the noir conventions to propel the story and engage the audience, but makes the film in the now, if you like. Um, and to do anything else would simply have looked like uh, dead men don't wear plaid, which is funny but it was a mere imitation um, and that was part of uh, Polanski's genius really and I didn't realise, I was looking at the extras uh, yesterday and he'd actually left Los Angeles by the time he made this picture um, and gone to Rome and they had to kind of convince him uh, well the fella, Paramount fella um, <laughs> yeah, Robert Evans uh, and Robert Town, the screenwriter convinced him to come back and make this film but he really didn't want to because it had so many bad memories for him um, with the Manson murders, Sharon Tate had been uh, Uh, killed his wife his pregnant wife at the time it's one of those films where everything worked town's screenplay which won the oscar nicholson and dunaway and of course john houston uh, which is where daniel day oscar got his voice for there will be blood from i say i'm an iron man um oh no he's doing impressions now make him stop um and of course uh jerry jerry goldsmith's uh slinky slinky noir score Bye. Uh-huh. 
It's Chinatown, Jake. Oh, great stuff. Jerry Goldsmith's music for Roman Polanski's absolute genius classic Chinatown, which nobody in Uckfield went to see. And I think that was the last time we played it. He was put off for life. <laughs> Might have been. Was it the last Polanski film we played? No, probably not. I know we did the... Um, the thing with uh, Ewan McGregor that did alright actually um, so uh, yeah and I had looking at it again yesterday it's just marvellous um, so what we're going to do now is uh, I'm going to take a break go to a break and then we're going to put our um, time boxes on <laughs> time boxes that's better and uh, whiz forward to 1985 but uh, here's some uh, silly things first May we remind you that for the convenience of those patrons who prefer not to smoke, seating areas on the right-hand side of this auditorium have been designated as no-smoking areas. Your cooperation is appreciated. Kevin Markwick. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Billy, is that you? Yeah, Ma, it's me. A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving parents who are about to give him... You're going to like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're going to have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift... He ever got. What is it? No. It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change. Sounds like UCTC pupils. They become clever, mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. Gremlins, huh? Little monsters. Right. Okay. Sorry, sir. <laughs> He's dead now, isn't he? That bloke. In a world where only people can help you. Um, yeah, he is dead. He made a lot of money. He was doing it for years, the trailer guy. Uh, okay, here we are uh, in uh, 1985, uh, 10 years hence from where we were before. And that was Gremlins, of course, which was doing okay. Uh, 643 admissions, 1,118 pounds. Inflation was really beginning to bite then, wasn't it? Um, 
we came actually we came in late i remember because we were still it was still in the bad old days or at least the end of the bad old days at the time we had another cinema in ashford in kent and cic as they were then the artist formerly known as cic who became uip and then split up and became paramount and universal separately and i still can't separate them in my head uh, they were only prepared to supply one print between us ridiculous um you know we could have one print and we could decide where we put it ashford or upfield well we played at christmas uh, at ashford and then we crossed the print over ourselves meeting in a pub car park in hawkehurst all very high tech um so given it was three weeks late and had missed the kids holidays it was doing quite well really um you know to come in just as the kids go back you don't need me to tell you about gremlins do you no okay made in 84 and directed by joe dante uh it was written by chris columbus i suspect it's remembered more fondly by the age group it was aimed at during the release than actually being an enduring classic it's all right it was chaotic fun uh and of course more jerry goldsmith music i like jerry goldsmith music (laughs) you may have noticed which is uh one of the best things about it this is the gremlins theme Jerry, I've been speaking too much. We're running out of time. That's the Gremlins theme. Jerry Goldsmith uh, wrote for the film. Now, on screen two that week, because we were up to two screens by then, oh, yes, um, uh, we were suffering. <laughs> oh, we were suffering all round, uh, in all senses.
Is it Simon Cowell? Okay, so this is Michael Radford's uh, film of George Orwell's 1984. Um, and uh, yeah, ooh, it seems to have been rather forgotten, actually. Um, mostly remember for the last performance on screen by Richard Burton. And he was very good in it, actually. Uh, he looked tired and worn out and all of those things. Uh, and I think I think at the time he was a bit of a reformed character. I might be wrong. He was off the booze and settled down and was doing a tour of TV shows with his uh, new wife. I think he was living in Switzerland or something. Anyway, um, but he's very good as the interrogator. John Hurt is convincing as Winston. And the set design brilliantly evokes the post-war feel that, uh, in truth, all of Wells' novel was about. And Roger Deakins, of course, uh, his brilliant photography, spot-on as usual, with a perfect um, desaturated look reminiscent of wartime posters. Uh, and, of course, remember, this is a time before digital. It would have all been done uh, chemically um, on, film, on the film itself. Uh, for a minute there, it looked like Radford would be a talent to watch, but his career sort of meandered off... Um, not quite sure why, really, but um, however, I would say 1984 is worth another look. But oh my God, we died with it! Oh, nobody came to see it. Presumably, it was too depressing during the bleak weeks of January. You know, like January the where are we? January the 10th or whatever it is. Uh, January the 21st already. Um, I, the last thing you want to see is a depressing film about a hopeless future, really, isn't it? I, presumably it must have played other... Like in the West End and things in the late 84, because uh, we are in 85. We weren't that late at the time. Um, but anyway, 128 people all week. £222. Oh, dear. Um, and it was snowing. I do remember it was snowing because I had a hole in my shoe. <laughs> and it was blinking cold. Um, you know, admissions like this, look, uh, from again we were what were we then we were Thursdays I think Thursday changed 14 people 52 2 8 17 19 and 16 that's terrible and the second week uh, that's the second week the first week wasn't much better 177 admissions so once again people of Uckfield you let me down um, and I you know trudged to work every morning with a hole in my shoe and it was snowing at least you could have done was show up um and probably the other thing the film would be remembered for uh, actually are the songs written and performed by the Eurythmics. Now, uh, this is the one I like. This is the haunting Julia. Julia, when the leaves turn from green to brown And autumn shades come tumbling down Julia,
Eurythmics, uh, one of the songs they wrote for Michael Radford's uh, film of 1984, which uh, we were showing at the Picture House Upfield in January 1985. Uh, basically to the four walls and seats at the time. Uh, more time travel nonsense next week. Perhaps what I ought to do, actually, is give a bit of background to the year itself so that we can we can give it a bit of context because it, it sort of feels a bit isolated anyway. Um, it's back to the music now. Oh, 
can't say fairer than that can you want to be in california rolling stones uh from goat's head soup in 1973 which some of us in here think may be their finest moment um and here's uncle bob
Well, it ain't no use sitting and wonder why, baby. Even you don't know by now. And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby. It'll never do somehow. When your rooster crows at the break of dawn, look out your window and I'll be gone. You're the reason I'm a traveling on, but don't think twice, it's all right. And it ain't no use in the turning on your light, baby. The light I never knowed. And it ain't no use in turning on your light, baby. I'm on the dark side of the road, but I wish there was something you would do or say to try and make me change my mind and stay. But we never did too much talking anyway. Don't think twice. It's all right. So it ain't no use in calling out my name, gal, like you never done before. And it ain't no use in calling out my name, gal. I can't hear you anymore. I'm a thinking and a wondering, walking down the road. I once loved a woman, a child. I am told I give her my heart, but she wanted my soul. But don't think twice; it's all right. So long, honey, baby. Where I'm bound, I can't tell. Goodbye is too good a word, baby. So I just say fairly well. I ain't saying you treated me unkind. You could have done better, but I don't mind. You just kind of wasted my precious time. Don't think twice; it's all right. Dylan, don't think twice. From 1962. Now, um, I keep meaning to remind you to get in touch with the show at Kevin Mark Quick. You can hit me up on Twitter, or you can look at this Facebook page that we put up now, uh, the Kevin Mark Quick Show. If you go onto Facebook, log in, look up the Kevin Mark Quick Show, you'll find it. And what I meant to tell you was there. Uh, I put some what I call DVD extras on there, and I forgot to tell you during the uh, time, the time thong bit. Uh, with some pictures from the films and some bits and pieces just to give it some background. So 
if I had uh, uh, I just got the memory of a goldfish frankly uh, so please do get in touch let me know what you think of the show uh, as I say at Kevin Markwick on Twitter or on the Facebook page the Kevin Markwick show you can email the studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk uh, it'll be really good to hear from you now Rachel Safira I'm going to play you um, from the LP The Deserters which came uh, right at the end of last year and well worth checking out as they say in DJ land really lovely isn't it Rachel Zafira front door now you didn't think you were going to get away without any Tom Waits did you (laughs) 
gone in 2004 tom waits that was an album he made actually without using the piano it was quite deliberate on his part uh now we're going to move along quickly or i'm going to run out of time um if you're a man of a certain age (laughs) or a woman of a certain age then uh david bowie probably means quite a lot to you if you're a man or a woman of a certain age and of a certain type, David Bowie probably means a lot to you. And when uh, he dropped this new single into iTunes uh, without any kind of fanfare or any kind of announcement, and the first time I heard it, I have to say, I had a tear in my eye. Is that a bit cheesy and horrible? But So I'm going to play it for you now. It's Where Are We Now? David Bowie from the forthcoming studio album The Next Day, which apparently is out in March. <laughs>
had to get the train from Potsdam Flats. You never knew that that I could do that. Just walking the dead. A man lost in time near Cardiff, just walking the dead. Twenty thousand people cross bars and book up. Fingers are crossed, just in case. Walking the dead. I think that's beautiful. David Bowie, where are we now? I love the way it alludes to his time in Berlin and the Brian Eno period, Heroes and Low, and uh, it just, yeah, I find it moving how we've all gone from youthful vigour to a sort of calm nostalgia. Hmm. Okay, that's it. It's over. Um, One more track to go, and uh, that's it. 
so it's been really great having you and please tune in again next week um it means a lot to me um and i will sit there at the weekend puzzling over what i'm going to play you but it's always worth it and uh we didn't how many times did we mention snow i think we managed to get away with it yeah uh so please let me know what you think of the show um at kevin mark quick on twitter go and have a look at the facebook page uh the kevin mark quick show let's try and get the number of likes up if we can please uh which is a desperate plea for uh help anyway so i'm going to leave you with um ramona by nightbeds now nightbeds uh is the absurdly talented young chap uh winston yellen uh he's young and talented like me uh, this is from the forthcoming debut lp uh country sleep it's called ramona it's lovely and i'll see you all next week bye love you
Flora makes orange flamenco. Lemon and lime cascade. Orange, lemon and lime from Kiora for a cool one of six. <laughs> 